0: Across Virginia, kids are back in the classroom.
1: But school is nowhere near normal. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Laura Spitalniak.
0: After more than a year of virtual classes and hybrid learning, Virginia public schools opened the doors for in-person school five days a week. From kindergarten to 12th grade, students are now back in the classroom, despite the pandemic's persistent hold.
1: Longtime WTOP reporter and proud Virginia resident Neil Augenstein reported on first days from schools across Northern Virginia. Most elementary and middle school students aren't vaccinated because they're too young. He tells us how parents and teachers are trying to cope with that, with one county even temporarily returning to virtual learning. Neil, you are, by and large, our Virginia education reporter. And over the last month, schools either fully or partially reopened for in-person learning. As you well know, for most students, that's over a year since they've been in the classroom, teachers as well. What did that first day back to school look like?
2: There is always a time where there's uh, excitement, but this year there's also a lot of concern because you probably heard that there's a pandemic that's still uh, still around.
1: Yeah, it might've been mentioned.
2: Yeah. So when I show up at these schools for the first day, it's a little bit different than it has been for the last 20 years. Everyone's wearing masks in Virginia, at least that's the rule. And so parents are arriving with their kids, Uh, some kids are on their school buses, some of the kids are crying, but they'd be crying in any year on the the first day of school. Some of the parents are crying uh, like they would on any first day of the year. But this year, obviously, everyone's wearing masks and there are specific steps that are being taken. When kids were getting off the school bus, there was an administrator standing there and would give them a spritz of hand sanitizer as they got off the bus so they could clean their hands before they went into school. That's sort of just an example of the way it looks.
0: And on those first days when you were there on the ground, Did you see, you know, the kids kind of responding as if it was off or it's we've been in this pandemic for so long that they've kind of been familiarized with all the rules and regulations that have been put in place?
2: I think that's a good representation of what happened. These kids have spent a good part of their life realizing that they have to wear a mask. And I don't think that they were terribly inconvenienced by that aspect. As with uh, all aspects of life, if the parents are, are cool with it, then the kids are more comfortable with it. So the kids showed up, they looked adorable, uh, as always, they had new clothes on, they had new backpacks. And this year, especially with the anxiety that parents have had about sending their kids back to school. I think that the schools, the teachers and the principals and the other administrators have gone out of their way to help reassure the parents that they're going to do everything they can to keep the kids safe.
1: And it seems like they would need it because the elementary school population, which is who we've been talking about, they can't be vaccinated. So are these parents and school administrators determined to keep school in person or is the idea of going virtual again a reality?
2: Well, let's think about what happened last year. Last year, despite the concern, eventually more and more kids came back to school. And what became clear after a while was that with all of the social distancing and hand washing and the procedures that are done in school that schools were able to avoid becoming a place where COVID Spread. So while some kids would come from in the neighborhood and in the general community into school and have COVID, that would mean that the people who they were in close contact with would have to be quarantined. And of course, that was very disruptive. But what school officials and health departments and even Dr. Fauci said was that it appeared that schools were safer when it came to COVID than the general community. And that was because the schools all followed the rules. In some of the private schools where rules weren't followed, there were outbreaks. But in all of the local schools in Northern Virginia, they were able to say, and it seems to be the case, that the schools did not become a place where COVID was spread. They made it a priority. If someone came in there, they would quarantine all involved and would get back to normal. Now, this year, it's different because there's not the social distancing. There are full schools. Remember last year, it was half the kids would go in one day and half the kids would go in the other day if they wanted to. But this year, pretty much all the school systems decided they're going to go back to full population in the school. So the math didn't work out. Now they have to be extra careful. They have to be sure that everyone's wearing the mask. They have to make sure that all the things that they can control with more people inside the school, they have to really crack down on that. Now I spoke with Dr. David Goodfriend, who was the uh, Loudoun County Health Director. And he said that the Delta variant makes things even more complicated. The last time we looked at it, it was about 20 to 30 percent of the cases we were having of COVID were in people who were fully vaccinated. Fortunately, none of those folks were severely ill. But in terms of risk to the school, anyone who comes in and tests positive is a potential risk to spreading to others. So that's why the Delta variant has made it even more important. Now, this is an important little tidbit news you can use as we say in the radio business. (laughs) According to Dr. Goodfriend, let's say that someone tests positive in school. A person is considered a close contact if they were within three feet of another student. But that's only if the student was wearing his mask properly. If the student isn't wearing the mask properly, then it extends to six feet. So that's why this mask mandate and following the procedures with a mask is so important.
0: And since returning to the classrooms, we have seen a number of COVID outbreaks in schools. You talked a little bit about the mitigation efforts, namely masks, but how else are
2: schools dealing with these outbreaks? Are whole classrooms getting put on pause? Well, let's think about the word outbreaks. Last year, my, my recollection was outbreak is if there are more than two cases in a class. So now what they're trying to do is they're keeping track of where everybody is. They're spreading out as much as possible by having a roster of who's where. If someone did test positive, then they would be able to do the tracing to make sure that the people who need to be quarantined would. Right now, I believe that there's only one school system, Rappahannock, which actually went back to all virtual for a period of time. That was a school system where, by all accounts, it was a real outbreak. So there was a period of time, and I think it may have only been a week that everyone was back to virtual for the week. Since then, I think that they've tightened up on their uh, requirements and and they've done whatever they can to maximize the spacing that they can do. And they did come back to in-person learning. So throughout the region, that really is something that is ever-changing. And when you think about it, in terms of life lessons, learning as you go and having faith and patience, those are all things that you can't write down in a a syllabus at the beginning of the school year. Those are things that an entire family learns together as it happens. So moving from parents and students to
0: administrators and teachers, how are they looking to face this year with all the challenges that the Delta variant brings? And how have they Learn from this past year when they were teaching during a
2: pandemic as well. To their credit, school systems, my wife happens to work in a school system, so I'm a little bit biased, but I do also hear what's going on uh, behind the scenes. They're constantly trying to adapt. When you think about last year, the school systems would go back and forth, and, and the teachers had to be prepared to teach online. And then they also had to be prepared to teach in person, and then both at the same time. This year, what a lot of school systems are doing is using what's called Virtual Virginia. And that is a statewide virtual learning platform. So a kid who chooses to learn virtually is not going to be going to school necessarily with kids in their neighborhood. They're going to school with kids throughout all of Virginia. So last year, it really was unworkable to have teachers and schools being forced to be ready for so many different contingencies. This year, if somebody chooses to do virtual, they'll be doing virtual Virginia. You know, it's a fine, fine distance learning environment with people who are only focusing on that. So I think that that is actually a pretty good step in the right direction because the school systems have decided that some people did well and some people have conditions that it is safer for them to be learning from home. So having a dedicated virtual Virginia system is helpful and good.
1: Yeah, and it seems like Virginia is one of the states that is doing that the best because nationwide and even locally, we've heard stories about parents who would prefer And even students who would prefer to remain virtual due to underlying health issues, whether or not it suited their needs. Overall, have people been given the options that they've requested? Have they been flexible with people?
2: Well, uh, no. Okay. Last year, when the vaccines were becoming more more popular, uh, more available... I think the hope was that this school year would be as, quote, normal as possible. And a lot of school systems did have windows where people who wanted to do virtual learning had to choose it. And it wasn't just a matter of wanting to do it since they were going to be using the virtual Virginia system. The people had to have a demonstrated need to enroll in virtual learning. What they don't have is the ability to say, well, now I'm nervous, so I want my kid to go virtual for now because there is not a system ready to teach all of those kids. So if half the kids in Loudoun now said that they wanted to go virtual, Virtual Virginia would not be in a position to give them the education that they deserve. So we read often on social media, parents demanding, clamoring for the option to return to distance learning. The school systems at this point, barring an executive order from the governor, because remember, the governor signed a law which said that school systems have to offer five day a week in-person learning, barring an executive order from the governor or a major new health crisis emergency in order, schools are going to stay open and the local school and health departments are going to continue to do whatever they can to mitigate the risk to the people involved.
0: As journalists, we're very familiar with the school board meetings where a lot of heavy emotions and intense conversations were had between parents, school administrators, teachers, unions. And it's really been an issue that has kind of galvanized this pandemic
2: moment. I would hate to be on a school board right now. In the old days, nobody showed up at school board meetings unless there was something directly involving their kids. But nowadays, there are so many issues, critical race theory, masking, mandates, and things like this. And School systems and school boards have had to deal with these very, very difficult issues. Unfortunately, they have been complicated by people who have realized that a lot of news coverage these days is generated by YouTube moments and that somebody being disrespectful and yelling at a school board member is probably going to get on the local news. And in my opinion, that is prompting a lot more people to come. And uh, I don't necessarily believe that it is a heartfelt emotion. I think that people can have real disagreements. But as part of society, I think that there should be decorum and I don't think that parents have the right to go in and yell at school board members. Sure, maybe they want to be on the news. And unfortunately, a lot of news organizations will pick up those sound bites and will run with them. That's not the kind of journalism that I want to do. And that's not the kind of. Environment, I want my school system, my school board to have to do its very important work. So I think that it is a political stunt, it is grandstanding, it is a cheap, albeit effective, way of using social media. And unfortunately, it is making a very difficult job even more difficult because. For all the criticism of school board members, you know, and yes, there is politics involved in that. These people are choosing to do a thankless job. And, you know, here's my opinion. In general, I think they're doing their best to do what is best for for kids.
0: As the school year continues, what are you keeping your eye on as this pandemic develops, as schools try to deal with this pandemic and try to teach kids?
2: As someone who's been around here for for 25 years and covered back to school for 25 years, I think that the schools and the teachers, the principals, the school systems are doing the best they can in a very difficult once-in-our-lifetime situation, trying to both keep kids safe and help them be educated as best they can because all doctors will agree that having kids being at home is not as good for them as being in school. A lot of what kids learn is from the interaction and being around other people. You know, as good as technology is, you can't live stream that.
1: On Wednesday, a Prince William County School Board meeting got out of hand. <laughs>
0: Let me tell you something, there's proper decorum in this room.
1: That's school board chair Barbara Latif. He announced that he plans to limit public comment following the breakdown of productive conversation.
0: And in Maryland, around 1,000 Montgomery County students and staff are in quarantine after the first week back at school. Here's school system spokesperson Boyende Onajala.
1: While we understand that everyone wants to be in school learning, safety comes first. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Laura Patalniak
0: and me, Luke Garrett.
1: Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Lockspeed.
0: Join us next Monday as the world recovers.